BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to the Three Down Nation podcast powered by Jiffy Lube. He's Justin Dunk and I'm John Hodge. Today, we're discussing the Ottawa Red Blacks adding all-pro pass rusher Vic Beasley to their negotiation list. Kahari Jones giving Alouette's QB Vernon Adams Jr. a vote of confidence. The Riders releasing former first-round NFL draft pick Paxton Lynch. Derek Taylor stepping down as the voice of the Riders to go to their rival? What? And Garrett Marino's epic Twitter rant. But first, Dunk, you reported that Chris Streveler had signed with the Miami Dolphins. The former CFL quarterback spent this past season in Arizona and Baltimore. How do you feel about the Strevolution coming to Miami? It could be intriguing, man. You consider that Strevler, back when he was being courted by NFL teams after the 2019 Grey Cup run with the Blue Bombers, worked out for the Dolphins at that time. And they tried really hard to sign him, but he ended up, of course, going to Arizona. So Chris Greer, the general manager there, is very familiar, as well as the personnel staff down in Davie, Florida. And new head coach Mike McDaniel coming over from the San Francisco 49ers has developed a reputation for himself as being a creative and innovative play caller on the offensive side of the football. So we well know what Strebler can do on this side of the border when he has a play caller that's creative like Paul Apolis and what he was able to scheme up with Strebler. So the fact that Greer is familiar with him from a couple of years ago, and they've clearly still kept an eye on him in the NFL, helps Strevler out. And also the fact that McDaniel is there and has an innovative mind and is open to using athletes. And that's what Strevler is, in my mind, at this point in the NFL. He's a decent passer. Some people will tell you he's terrible. And there's been <laughs> flashes of his arm talent up in the CFL. But he definitely needs to get better in that regard. I think he's certainly passable. But as an athletic quarterback, he can certainly provide an intriguing option. And you look at what McDaniel did when he was in San Francisco with a guy like Debo Samuel, who came into the NFL as a receiver, but was doing all kinds of things in the backfield as a running back for the 49ers and really was a beast, especially last season for the Niners and their run to the NFC championship, ultimately losing to the Rams and 
LA ended up winning the Super Bowl. So he's not necessarily Debo Samuel because Trevler's not going to be a receiver. But if you look at that way that McDaniel used Debo Samuel and you look at the athlete that Strevler is, you can see where his mind is going to start turning. Yeah, Strevler, like he's never been a top 10 CFL quarterback, but in a weird way, he was almost in 2019 a top 10 CFL weapon. Right on offense, he was so dynamic. He took over that West semifinal is maybe the most dominant single-handed performance I've seen in the last five years of CFL playoffs, maybe with the exception of Andrew Harris taking over the Grey Cup game a couple of weeks after that in 2019. But the way in which he's able to use his legs and be multiple, be versatile, do different things, I think certainly gives him a unique uh, opportunity to impact an offense and attack an opposing defense. And from a contract standpoint, I'll give Streveler credit for betting on himself. He's been a free agent since he finished this 2021 season on the Baltimore Ravens practice roster. They didn't make the postseason. Uh, and honestly, like he could have come to the CFL. There was, of course, interest in his services. But once the CFL's free agent frenzy started on February 8th and ended shortly thereafter, there's not money for him to come back. So had he chosen to come up to the CFL, let's say for training camp in May, he could have done that, but but there's like the contract isn't going to be what it would have been come February. So he took a risk betting on himself to try to get that NFL contract. He's now got it good for him. In my mind, there could have been money for Strebler in the CFL, but the reps for him in terms of his agency would have been in touch with CFL teams and saying, Hey, he's got potential workout opportunities. And he ended up actually not even having to work out for the dolphins just went down past his physical and signed the contract because they wanted him that much. So there would have been that communication there, but I look at a team like the blue bombers, right? They did sign Dakota Prukop right away after Edmonton released him. And in my mind, you know, the Bombers probably would have been smart to keep some money aside if in the event Strevler came free. Now, there's still a possibility that he could become a free agent if he doesn't make the final roster or doesn't even make it to training camp. But I think the fact that he's being brought in this early in the offseason really shows that the Dolphins are serious about him at least now but he's still got to go through learning the playbook impressing mcdaniel especially and otas i'm sure will be critical in his evaluation for potentially making the 53-man roster or even the practice squad when the 2022 season kicks off so i think there were some te teams around the cfl at the end of the day that would have kept a little bit of money in their pockets and not spent it but they would have had an idea that hey there's probably going to be an nfl contract in the offing for him if, if you want to get paid, you got to get paid in February. Yes, some teams can hold money back, right, for, for April, May, whatever. But CFL teams need that money to win. So if you're going to capitalize your income, you got to do it in February. And Stravler's not necessarily hard up for money. He's made over $1.1 in the NFL. So you can chill and wait for that next contract to come. And yeah, that's I, what should, I should hit up Chris Stravler for some money. That's what I should do. <laughs> I will say, on my timeline... Shout out to DolphinsTalk.com. They retweeted my breaking news tweet on this piece. And there were a lot of Dolphins fans intrigued. And of course, we saw the pictures of him with the fur coat on and the glasses and the hat and shirtless holding up the gray cup. So they quickly realized the legend that Strevler <laughs> grew or developed for himself in Winnipeg. And they're intrigued by him. Like they want competition in there at the quarterback spot for Tua Tagovailoa, and there were a lot of people in my timeline, Dolphins fans, obviously, that were wanting Jacoby Brissett, or they call him Jacoby Brisket, 
cut because Traveler had been signed. So <laughs> there's clearly a want, at least among the Dolphins fans, for another quarterback to be in there. And they're intrigued by the possibility of what Straveler could bring. All right, Hodge, we're done with this revelation. The Riders let William Powell walk back to Ottawa in free agency and intend to bring in competition for the starting running back spot after Jamal Morrow flashed in his rookie season with the team. Which back with NFL experience could you envision being successful in the CFL and why? That's currently on the Riders' neck list. To me, first of all, I'm not going to stand for any Jamal Morrow slander. I thought Jamal Morrow was fantastic in 2021. Hey, hey no slander he, here, but there's going to be competition. There, Well, yeah, fair enough. There's going to be competition. But I thought Jamal Morrow certainly showed enough that he should have the inside track to that role. Yes, I know they like him as a return specialist. He's got an incentive in his contract for return yardage. So he might be the primary guy there, but I thought he could be a great fit. But to me, there was one guy of the five that we reported that I found very intriguing. That's Jacques Patrick. And the reason why is simple. If I were to describe somebody as follows, I want you to tell me the first player to come to mind. Six foot two, 235 pounds, born in Florida, went to Florida State. Who's the first player who comes to mind? James Wilder Jr. Thank Get you. Wilder, baby. James Wilder Jr. Well, all of those things also apply to Jock Patrick. Now, I don't think Jock Patrick has a sensational, uh, almost, not quite Hall of Fame, but, but, but extremely talented NFL running back father like James Wilder Jr. does. But obviously, the Riders have at least some interest in potentially bringing in a bigger body back that they really haven't had there since Jerome Messam was slinging the rock. So I think that Patrick would be an interesting player for the Riders to potentially add just to provide a different look in that backfield that they really haven't had in a while. Yeah, Messam was toting the rock. I don't think he ever slung it. or uh, Maybe it he slung it once or twice. Eh, maybe a couple of times, but <laughs> you know, you're taking my guy here because I'm going to agree with you on Patrick. Did you know, Hodge, that he shared the backfield with the Seminoles with one Dalvin Cook and recent Super Bowl champion Cam Akers? Like those are two dudes who have developed into NFL stars. Cook obviously has a much, much longer resume as one of the best running backs bar none in the NFL with the Minnesota Vikings just down from you there in Manitoba. So Patrick was a guy that maybe you didn't see all of his upside at Florida State because he was behind two legitimate number one running backs, not only in the NCAA, but in the NFL right now. So he's a very intriguing guy. To me, all of these guys in some form or fashion could certainly have an impact. You look at a guy like Adrian Killens, who runs in the 4-3, maybe even 4-2 range, currently under contract with the Broncos. It's still early in the offseason. The other really guy that popped out to me was Mike Weaver, who backed up, I shouldn't say backed up, but was behind Ezekiel Elliott, Ohio State, or actually took over for him, I should say, and rushed for over 1,000 yards twice for the Buckeyes and a guy that I don't think really got a decent opportunity in the NFL. He's currently a free agent, a dude that can run. He's four in the four, four range there. And a guy that is in sort of that mold, as you talked about, like a bigger back, I believe he's somewhere around the six foot range and is well over 200 pounds. So he could be that type of dude. The 
guy that you wonder about maybe taking over the role that Morrow had, if it is indeed going to be Morrow as the starter, if he comes out of training camp and wins that job, would be Tyler Irving. He did a lot of that in Houston with the Texans and also in Green Bay with the Packers. So clearly the riders, Jeremy O'Day and Craig Dickinson, the head coach, are comfortable with Morrow having the inside track at this job and potentially bringing in the competition. Now we're talking about negless names here. And some people will say, well, they're not sign but a lot of times and we should add this for context what happens is when these players are added and Irvin and especially Rodney Smith and I think even Patrick were all added in 2022 so it's not like these guys have been stashed on there for right. a long time so when you see some former NFL guys that get put on the neg list that's usually I will say an indication that there's been some type of dialogue there and at least some indication they might have interest of coming north of the border and continuing their career in the CFL. Yes. And the neg list for, for those who are uninitiated essentially is just a, a, a physical list or a digital list, I suppose these days upon which teams can place player names. And once that name is on that list under your team's designation, you are the only team that can sign them. And so this is an exclusivity thing. The riders have the exclusive rights to these five players a dunkster, another player who was added to an exclusive negotiation list was Vic Beasley, a former all pro pass rusher and first round, not just first round, but top 10 NFL draft pick of the Atlanta Falcons. He is now on the neg list for the Ottawa Red Blacks. Do you think there's any chance that we see a player like Vic Beasley actually play in the CFL? I do. And I'll tell you why, because I know that one Chris Jones who covets these former top <laughs> NFL draft picks and bringing them to the CFL was actually in communication with Beasley, but the Red Blacks put in the steel here. And this is the type of unique thing that doesn't necessarily get reported all the time in the CFL in terms of what goes on behind the scenes. Jones is talking to Beasley, wants to bring him to Edmonton. And sometimes some guys take some chances and not putting names on the neg list, thinking, hey, I don't have to bump a guy off there because you can only have 45 names on there yeah. and still get him signed. So it's a risky move at times. And this time it backfired on Jones because Ottawa adds Beasley. And if you look, especially at the depth chart that you have on 3downnation.com, Hodge, for the Red Blacks, they could use an infusion of pass rushing ability. That's nothing against Kwaku Boateng, who's likely going to start at one end based on what he's being paid by the Red Blacks. But you look at Lorenzo Malden, who is an intriguing dude, and Sean Burke, the general manager there, knows him from his time at the Ticats. But if you bring a guy like Beasley up here and just even let him go after the pass around second and long, like he's an absolute freak. You look at this dude's combine numbers, that's part of the reason why he was the eighth overall pick, I believe it was, for the Falcons. Helped them get to that Super Bowl that they famously blew the lead against <laughs> Tom Brady, of course, and came back. So he was really close to having a Super Bowl ring and an all-pro selection on his resume. He led the NFL with 15 and a half sacks, I believe it was in that year in 2016, which was only his second year in the NFL. So if he's intrigued about coming to the CFL and playing, you got to be open to the idea. I should say, though, that sometimes you don't have the same get up and go after you have millions of dollars in the bank. Beasley made over $37 million while he was in the NFL. So that's just to be noted. 
that's fair to note. And hey, we've seen guys who have made a lot of money come from the NFL and take the CFL very seriously. More often than not, however, we do see the opposite, which is guys come up, realize, okay, I love the game, but I don't love it this much. And they end up going back home after not doing a whole heck of a lot. Shane Ray, for instance, a former first-round NFL draft pick, obviously was never all pro down there. He's taken the CFL very seriously. He's with the Argos, but he only put up, I think it was one sack in the postseason this past year. So he wasn't terribly effective. He's younger than Beasley, but then again, you know, the the the, the track records are very different. So I'm certainly intrigued to see. You mentioned Malden. He's a former third-round NFL draft pick, was a rotational guy in Hamilton. I think has the inside track to start in Ottawa opposite of Kwaku Boateng but certainly it would be great not only for the Red Blacks but also for the CFL to have a guy with the high profile like Vic Beasley come and play in this league will it happen of course that remains to be seen right the fact that his name is on the neg list and there's only 45 per team don't want to waste those spots so I just wanted to add that real quick and I appreciate that we got to take a quick break when we come back we'll be talking about the USFL draft The USFL held its inaugural draft, which started Tuesday, with a number of former CFL players being selected. Does this startup league pose a threat to the three-down league in Canada? Well, I think my answer has changed in the last day. Now, I'm not saying that the USFL is threatening the existence of the CFL, but after Tuesday night's selections, and that first round seemed to go on for like seven hours, I don't envy anybody who was covering the first day of that draft. We saw players get picked like Shea Patterson, Jonathan Newsom, Tyler Catalina, Brandon Hittner, Terry Poole. I, I, I listed a bunch. I missed a couple, but I listed a ton of former CFL players who got picked. And the collective answer on Twitter was, uh, who, who are those people? And the answer is exactly not trying to disrespect these guys. But, you know, by and large, these are backups, death players, guys who were in a camp, got cut, bounced around. However, Interestingly, and I already have a column about this up at Three Down Nation as of Wednesday at about uh, 1 p.m. Eastern. Liam Dobson, Canadian offensive lineman, got chosen by the New Orleans franchise. And I think that really does actually impact the CFL. And here's why. Dobson was the third overall pick of the 2021 CFL draft. He could have signed with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers at that point. He elected instead to go back to college for his bonus or COVID year of eligibility. He transferred from Maine to Texas state to try to get a little bit more NFL look or opportunity. And what he has since done is he has actually signed with the USFL because in order to be eligible for their draft, you have to sign as part of signing. He's under contract now for 2022 with a team option for 2023. He can leave for the NFL, but there is nothing in USFL contracts about having a window for the CFL, because obviously the USFL does not want to lose guys to Canada. So unless Dobson is in the NFL for 2022 or he gets cut, which I don't see, he's now locked into the USFL for two years. And he's the type of player who the CFL needs, relies upon, blue chip, Ottawa born, Canadian offensive lineman. We need better and the best Canadian offensive lineman available in the CFL to protect these quarterbacks. So as much as day one, I shrugged it off kind of collectively with everybody on Twitter. Day two, yes, Liam Dobson, I do think this will impact the CFL. I'm not saying it's a threat to the league, but it certainly affects the league north of the border. It's all fine, well, and good that he's locked in for two years, Hodge. And I 
do agree mostly with your point that it's a bigger deal because Liam Dobson signed and was drafted by the USFL, but the league's got to show that it can be around for the duration of that two-year contract. Okay. We've seen these leagues pop up all the time. And here's one difference already. Like this draft was supposed to be live on Fox sports, who is actually (laughs) one of the partners in this league. And then all of a sudden on the day of the draft, the first round ends up just being done on Twitter. And we saw some big names announcing picks. Warren moon did one, and there was a bunch of other recognizable people that did it for the teams. But until the league proves that it can stay around, then in my mind, it's not a threat to the CFL. Like, could it be a little bit right now and take, some town the way yes but the rest of that list are guys like you mentioned that had a cup of coffee in the cfl essentially and weren't good enough up here now some of that could be due to their body type and simply not fitting the canadian game which we know requires different athletes to play it at the various positions so in my mind until the usfl shows that it can stay around for the duration of that two years potentially even longer like they got to get through one year there's already people behind the scenes that are connected to cfl people up here or nfl people in the states that i talked to that are saying hey this league already looks like it's going to be one and done and you couple that with the fact that the xfl is planning to kick off in 2023 and it has a legitimate partnership now with the nfl players are going to see that league as a better opportunity to get to the nfl if they play well in the xfl when and if that league kicks off. Now, it looks like the XFL should be able to do that in 2023. But for right now, it's clear to me that Dobson sees the USFL. He doesn't care how long that league's around for, as long as he gets a little bit of game film against some of this competition in 2022, which can hopefully springboard him to that NFL contract that he covets. So in my mind, you made some great points. These names at the onset didn't really mean much, but Dobson, certainly an intriguing one to watch. Well, and my question, and for clarity, we are recording this while day two of the draft is happening. So it's possible that this will happen. It's possible it won't. But if all of a sudden Liam Dobson's in this league, I start to question, well, what about Alonzo Adai? What about Deshaun Stevens? What about Dean Leonard? What about Patrice Rene? If you're not, you know, if you don't know these names, that's fine. But these are top prospects from the 2021 draft who just like Dobson were picked and decided to go back to college in the States for the 2021 season. So it's possible that Dobson's the only one, but if all of these guys decide to go the USFL route, all of a sudden you're taking blue chip Canadian prospects out of this league, which unfortunately, which, which they got to show they can stay around though, my man. That's well, the, okay. well, like, that's the context. That's a major context here is yes. Yes. Dobson's it has signed. to stay. Yes. He's getting drafted. But yes. We can speculate against this is Al- still, Alonzo and die. This is still a, an American league that is attracting Canadian talent over the CFL. And that is noteworthy. Yes. They have to stick around, but unless this league folds, Liam Dobson will not be in the, in the CFL for a minimum of two years, which, which is not good for anybody who in or around the CFL. So Just then I would ask you, how long do you think the USFL will last? I think it's going to last a betting line on it. I think it's going to last a month, but that's, that's just my opinion. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's just my opinion. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders released former first round NFL draft pick Paxton Lynch. And one day later, he was chosen by the Michigan Panthers in the same USFL draft. How will you remember the Lynch era in Ryderville? 
Oh, man, one of so much intrigue. It seemed like he was going about it the right way. He was comfortable going into that situation, being one of the backup quarterbacks in Regina and learning the Canadian game, put in a full season. And I really thought, all right, he's had that one full season under his belt. He didn't get rushed onto the field like, let's say, a Johnny Menzel or felt like he could take over the league right away, just like Johnny Football did. So he thought, okay, maybe there's some upside here. He was always a guy that was athletic, especially when he was at the University of Memphis and even flashed out ability when he was in the NFL. So he thought you could see what the riders saw there. And obviously they've done a much better job in terms of looking at the film and evaluating his ability to be a productive CFL quarterback, potentially in the future. So for me, the lasting image will be with him, Fajardo and Isaac Harker having a corn dog <laughs> after one of their wins, sadly enough, because he never even suited up for a game for them. Now, a lot of people will look at his vaccination status and how he wasn't, uh, what shall we say, active for the playoff game and then ended up going home. And clearly that was a decision that he made. And I don't want to get into this too much, but I'm pro-choice. If that's the decision he wants to make, He's well within his right to do that. He has millions of dollars in the bank from the NFL, so it's not like he necessarily even needs to play football anymore. But I will say he was one of the rare former star NCAA or NFL quarterbacks that came up here and treated the game with respect. So for all the jokes about his vaccination status, which I don't really think are fair, but he actually approached the CFL game with respect, which I would like to see more from the guys that come up here from the States. Yeah, when he was introduced, he talked about hour-long Zoom calls, two, three-hour-long Zoom calls with Jason Moss trying to learn this offense. So I certainly, as much as y the jokes have come, right, he never actually dressed for a game, I get it. I agree that he did seem to take the CFL seriously, and it would have been awesome if there was a preseason in 2021 to at least see him hit the field a little bit. As such, with the depth charts being limited to quarterbacks, for most teams in 2021, we never got to see him play. Frankly, it makes me sad. Maybe we'll get to see him back up Shea Patterson in the USFL in 2022. Yeah, we'll see how long that league lasts. You thought it's only going to last a month, though, Hodge. I did say that, but again, I I don't got a crystal ball. If I had the crystal ball, I would be buying a lottery ticket right now. <laughs> Let's mark it down. Hodge says USFL will last only one month. This is going to get pasted all over Twitter and blow up. Yeah, well, shout, <laughs> shout out CFL News. <laughs> oh, Alouette's head coach Kahari Jones told TSN 690 Radio in Montreal that Vernon Adams Jr. is still the number one quarterback in La Belle Province, despite the free agent addition of Trevor Harris. Adams momentarily deactivated his Twitter account after indicating publicly that he felt slighted by the signing or re-signing, we should say, of Harris, though he has since reactivated his account. Should Adams still be the unquestioned starting QB in Montreal? I don't think it does seem much good, to be quite honest, when there's a quarterback controversy or a quarterback competition, especially when you have a well-entrenched starter in your franchise and and also vernon adams jr as much as he has lacked consistency at times when he's at the top of his game he's arguably the most electrifying player in the cfl we have seen him make 
remarkably entertaining plays, often using a combination of his legs, his legs and his arms. So, yes, I think uh, Kahari Jones is smart to get out in front of this. He had to have known that these questions were going to be asked when the team signed Trevor Harris because we know Harris asked for his release in January to potentially pursue a starting role elsewhere. When one did not uh, arise, he ended up going back to Montreal. And I think it's wise for the club to say clearly, yes, this is in a backup role. Adams is number one. Harris is number two. Does that mean that Vernon Adams Jr. should get the world's longest leash? No. At a certain point, if he struggles, you got to go to Trevor Harris. But I think it's smart for Jones to make this distinction. It is Adams one. It is Harris two. And we'll go from there. You can say it now, but you mentioned it. Harris asked for his release early to see what other opportunities might be presented to him in terms of how the quarterbacks and the signings of those guys was going to shake out in CFL free agency. So Harris is a very calculated guy, as we know, and he wants to rebuild his reputation and especially get back to that financial status of being a starting quarterback in the CFL. And he chose it should be noted, to go back to Montreal. So Harris feels like he can overtake Adams Jr. for that starting role. It's about competition, baby. And if you ain't about it, you need to get out of pro football. So in my mind, that says more than anything about how at least confident Harris is in his skills and his abilities and the fact that he feels like Montreal is his best way back into a starting role. And we should say that Harris looked quite good down the stretch in Kahari Jones's offense there. Eight touchdowns to two interceptions. Yes, he had some turnovers in that Eastern semifinal loss to the Ticats that probably cost the Alouettes a game. But if he's more secure with the football and the Alouettes win that game, who knows what happens in Toronto. We've all seen what Harris can do when he gets hot, has that playoff record six touchdown passes from the East final in years past with the Ottawa Red Blacks. So in my mind, that's the bigger story here is that Harris chose to go back to Montreal Hodge because he could have gone to some other teams as the quote backup or the veteran QB coming in to sustain that quarterback depth chart. But the fact that he feels like his best way back is Montreal to respectability, that is, to me, speaks volumes. And I agree with you in the sense that you don't want a quarterback controversy, but you also want to have quarterback depth. And Danny Machocha, the GM there, said he's sleeping better than anybody he feels like <laughs> in the league because of his quarterback situation and the fact that he also has Dominique Davis under contract. Well, and I don't think it can be argued at this point that anybody has a better quarterback room then the Montreal Alouettes, maybe the one team that could really push them would be the Calgary Stampeders. But last we saw Bolivar Mitchell, he did not look very good. I'm hopeful that he is back to full health. I think there's a good chance he'll be back to full Man, health for 2022. If I take the quarterback room right now, led, Hodge, it's the Calgary Stampeders, bro. I don't care. the CFL in interceptions. He's got multiple last MLPs, year. multiple great cousins. Bolivar Mitchell and Jake Mayer. Okay, come I'll on, what, bro. You're you crazy. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. You can you can take Calgary's quarterback room. I'll take Montreal's quarterback room, and we'll probably meet in the Grey Cup because those are the two best quarterback rooms in the CFL. All I'm saying is Trevor Harris. You can talk about competition, but Trevor Harris, yeah, he probably thinks that he can overtake Vernon Adams Jr. But if you're a guy like Trevor Harris, you should have that thought no matter what. You should think, oh, I could go into Edmonton 
beat out everybody they have there. I could go into Calgary, beat out Bolivar Mitchell. I could go into Winnipeg, beat out Zach Kolaris. Because if that's not the mentality you have, as you said, you shouldn't yeah, be Yeah, but a at some football. point, you got to look at the financials too, right? And that's what factors into this. If you look at the situation in specifically Calgary and Saskatchewan and even Winnipeg, right? Zach Kolaris is the highest paid player in the league. He's got all that money and hard money. Cody Fajardo gets $170,000 signing bonus to rework his deal. Bolivar Mitchell is on the books for what, 425 in hard money. So you got to look at those situations. Then Hamilton re-signed Dane Evans for over $400,000 in hard money. Jeremiah Masoli gets $432,000 in hard money from Ottawa. So those guys are entrenched there. They're going to get every opportunity. Vernon Adams Jr. has to earn a decent amount of his money, and he's not as high as those guys. And because Harris's contract is, in my mind, at a bargain rate, the Owls can go with him, and it won't be that big of a deal on the salary cap. So I get what you're saying in terms of, yeah, they do have a legit quarterback room, but at the end of the year, and we can put on the record right now, Hodge, the Stampeders quarterback room overall will be more productive and have more wins than the Alice quarterbacks. And I like me some Trevor Harris, but I'm a little weary about Adam Jr. and the inconsistency. And honestly, he's done it for one year, really. 2019 went the whole season uninjured. Okay, so you're going to talk about Montreal's quarterbacks only doing it for one year, but you're going to sit here and talk about how Jake Mayer is the next greatest thing. Yeah, that's because that's super he's got bullied by Mitchell. Wow. <laughs> it's a room it's a question. Trump card, man. Yeah, who led the intercept, led the league in the interceptions in 2021. We got one more dunks. We got to hit this really quick. Saskatchewan Rough Riders defensive tackle Garrett Marino quote tweeted an article from the BC Lions on Monday with a video of him sacking Michael Riley, captioning it, quote, gotta fix that O-line before you win a great cup, end quote. He has since deleted the tweets, calling out offensive linemen around the league. There was a bunch of them. What are your thoughts on Marino's Twitter rant? Well, first of all, thank goodness for 3 Down Nation documenting this stuff so that even Marino <laughs> deleted it. People can still read the goodness on our very website. So props to the boys for catching it on the site. As far as the comments go, man, I just love when players speak the truth. And to me, that's what Marino did here. He's confident in his abilities. He had the video proof to back it up. And a lot of people around the league, probably most people around the CFL, would agree that the Lions had a porous offensive line and that they needed to be better for multiple years while Michael Riley was back there taking a pounding, albeit doing it for you know $700,000 in 2019 and then over $500,000 in 2021 so they need to get better up front certainly but I don't think there's anybody out there anointing the BC Lions right now as Grey Cup champions but I'm here for the juice man so Marino give us more of it but next time <laughs> don't delete it man we know that you said it well we know that you said it and you also it wasn't like you were talking out of your you know what you were putting the video clips up with <laughs> the smack talk and if you're going to talk trash but then backing up a video evidence that I think gives way more credence to what you're saying. And I've talked to people in the league who think that Garrett Marino has the potential to be not just a very good defensive lineman, but possibly the best interior defensive lineman in the CFL. He's that good. Whoa. He's got that. You're much making big hits. statements today, Hodge. I've had, I've had football people tell me that, that he has that potential. Now they also said he needs to learn how to focus a little better. He needs to learn how to not take stupid penalties, and he needs to learn how to make better decisions. 
part of that decision making might be what you put on Twitter or at least not deleting it after it gains traction. Cause I thought the rant was fabulous. I don't know why he deleted it. I would maybe speculate that somebody within the organization asked him to delete it. Cause it's not very rider ish to be talking trash on Twitter, but we're here for it. The CFL offseason needs more fuel, needs more juice. And I love what Garrett Marino had for us on Twitter on Tuesday. I thought it was brilliant. You we know what say, I love to see go for it. you face to face with Marino telling him, and I quote, don't take any more stupid penalties. <laughs> that would be epic. Hey, one of the videos he posted came from a game in which he had been ejected after throwing a punch. So, yeah, I would happily tell him to his face, stop punching people. But you're also very good at football. Continue doing that. <laughs> we got to take a quick break. When we come back, it'll be time for Hodges' heritage moment. You better be careful. Marino might punch you in the face after you say that. I, well, I hope not. I got a face for TV. I know this is a podcast, but that's the moneymaker right there. Welcome back. It is now time for Hodges' heritage moment. On this day in 2017, Bernie Custis passed away at the age of 88. The Syracuse product became the first black quarterback in the history of Canadian professional football in 1951 as a member of the Hamilton Tiger Cats. The two-time All-Star won a Grey Cup in 1953 and was named to the Canadian Football Hall of Fame in 1998 in recognition of his 30-year coaching career in junior and youth sports football. A high school bearing Custis's name was opened near Tim Horton's field in Hamilton in 2019. Dunkster, Bernie Custis's legacy is almost hard to put into words what he means to this country, to this game. Even at the age of 88, tough to say goodbye. I remember that day that he passed away. Doesn't feel like it was five years ago. Still feels much more recent than that. But it's important to put it into words because it's critical for the history of the CFL black players in the three down league and especially at the quarterback position. He was a pioneer, a dude that completely changed the thinking around that position because he was able to prove that even though he was black. Back. And in that time, if you were a black athlete, you were largely viewed as a guy that was going to play some of the other positions, running back, defensive back, receiver, linebacker, but you weren't necessarily going to get that opportunity as a quarterback. So the fact that he proved he could do it in, at a high level certainly is a legacy that will last for a long time, hopefully for as long as the league is around. Bernie Custis, rest in peace. It's now time. For the three-minute drill powered by Jiffy Lube, the CFL unveiled its list for the national and regional combines. How pumped are you for draft season? Oh, I'm jacked up to see what one Mr. Trey Ford, yes, a black Canadian quarterback, <laughs> is going to run at the CFL combine. Might be a record breaker. Hall of Fame quarterback Tom Clements was named the quarterback's coach of the Green Bay Packers, a role he held from 2006 to 2011. Aaron Rodgers has gone on record really just loving up this hiring of Clements coming back to the Packers. He credits a lot of his development to his time with Clements. Do you think this will help Rodgers even more? I think this this will, and I, I would go as far as to speculate this is why it happened, because the Green Bay Packers are desperately trying to keep number 12 in green and yellow. Derek Taylor stepped down from his role as the voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on 620 CKRM 
and has since been hired as the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Is that a smart hire? It's certainly a smart hire, and it's an epic chapter, I should say, to this prairie rival. Taylor called Ryder Games for two years, but in consecutive West Finals, he called the game on the other side of the losing team. Now he goes to the winning team. So is this a case of everyone coming on down to Winnipeg Hut? I think so. Gotta love it. Retired offensive lineman John Gott told TSN 1200 that some offensive linemen these days are too soft and won't play through injuries. Is that fair? Ooh, hey, if Gott's going to say it as a former old lineman, I'm not going to tell him he's wrong, okay? Brandon Banks said he knew right after the Great Cup that the Ticats were going to move on from him. Do you think he felt slighted after the CFL championship game? I mean, it's it's possible he's a Ticats legend, but I also respect his spidey senses because obviously they were correct. 2021 second round draft pick Terrell Janna retired following his rookie season with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Is that a surprise? It is a little bit to outside people behind the scenes. There was some talk about Janna being interested in multiple things, like even when he was going through the CFL draft, you all knew that, Haji. So not ideal for the Riders, but hopefully it's bigger and better things for Janna and whatever he's going to do in his future. Bombers receiver Greg Ellingson wants to be like Jerry Rice and play until he's 40. Is that possible? I think receivers can play as long as they want to, provided they always stay close enough to that sideline. Milt Siegel's famous for saying that. I could play for as long as I wanted if I could get out of bounds at every single play. The CFL and CFLPA have partnered on a new program, and its participants are hopeful to become the next Martin St. Louis or John Lynch in sports management. How realistic is that? It's certainly possible. We've seen the examples in some of the other leagues. Troy Vincent is a guy that sticks out to me, who is now in a big-time role with the NFL and, of course, was a all-pro defensive back for the Eagles. The XFL is collaborating with the NFL to create increased opportunities for player development and advancements in the game of football. Did the CFL miss out by not partnering with The Rock last year? I would not be able to answer that unless I had a better understanding of what the heck a partnership was going to look like. Because frankly, we don't even yet know really what this NFL-XFL partnership is going to look like. I need to see some proper details here. Deron Carter said he had about 25 versions of him on his high school football team at North Palm Beach Prep. Can you imagine 25 Deron Carters on the same team? (laughs) They would be ultra athletic, but I feel like they'd always be arguing with each other or they would be in another universe because of the cookies that they ate. Andrew Harris wants to prove the Bombers made a big mistake. Can he live up to those words with the Argos? I mean, he's 35 years old and he started to break down in 2021 with two different injuries. That said, if anybody can be effective at that age at the running back position these days, it's probably Andrew Harris. Riders GM Jeremy O'Day calmly disagreed with Chris Jones' assessment of Cody Fajardo as a passer. Who do you agree with? Ooh, that is a tricky one, but I gotta go with O'Day here because his point was that in Fajardo's two seasons as a full-time starter, he ranked top three in the league in terms of passing yards. And he was number one overall in 2019, led the league with over 4,000 yards. So for right now, it's O'Day. Current Stamps GM John Hoffnagel said he was just glad he didn't screw up Tom Brady as his QB coach in 2003 with the New England Patriots. Did you know he coached Brady? 
Of course he did. Tom John Huffnagel's been around for so long. I think he's coached like 90% of the quarterbacks of the last 30-some years. Last one, New Argos quarterback Chad Kelly wants to be the face of the CFL and throw for five or 6,000 yards like Doug Flutie. Is that realistic? No, it's not at all. We talked about earlier on the podcast how Paxton Lynch approached the CFL game with respect. Now, I get that Kelly wants to do this and is kind of setting goals, but I hope that this is different than his mentality and thinking he's going to come in here and run the league right away. We thank you, as always, for listening to the Freedom Nation podcast. We will see you next Wednesday for another show. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.